The following program is a production of Beach Booster Radio. Beach Corner with Diana Chickie is sponsored by Exchanging Vows Bridal Boutique in Collingwood, Ontario. Visit exchangingvowsbridalboutique.com for all your wedding and formal wear needs. Hi, I'm Steve T. Hunter, pianist and arranger, and you're listening to Beach Booster Radio. I'm Donna Chicky with Beach Corner on Beach Booster Radio, your backstage pass for all your entertainment. Toronto pianist and arranger Steve T. Hunter is a native of Los Angeles who studied classical piano in Santa Monica until 1973 and then moved to Toronto furthering his studies in music and arranging. Steve has an impressive musical career, from studio to concert halls, to theater to clubs. He describes himself as a classical piano nerd who also loved rock. He has released three solo CDs, with his most recent, Expecting to Fly. He has toured throughout the U.S. and Canada, played for a Canadian Prime Minister in Toronto, and a sitting U.S. President at the Kennedy Centre in Washington, D.C. Joining me via FaceTime from Toronto is Steve T. Hunter, who will share his journey on his latest new project. You're listening to Beach Corner, brought to you by Exchanging Val's Bridal Boutique in Collingwood on Beach Booster Radio, Wasaga Beach's only truly local radio. You are listening to Beach Booster Radio, Wasaga Beach's truly local radio, broadcasting directly from the world's longest freshwater beach. Welcome back to Beach Corner on Beach Booster Radio. Joining me via FaceTime from Toronto is a very talented pianist and arranger, Steve T. Hunter. Welcome to Beach Corner, Steve. Hey, great to be here, Diana. So I hear you have known our Wasaga Mike for many years, and you also released a CD 10 years ago with Toronto singer-songwriter and jazz chanteuse Samantha Clayton, who recently was on Beach Corner. How have you met these people in the past? Well, I moved down to Toronto from Midland. Uh, uh, I'm originally from California. Uh, ended up in Midland, moved down to Toronto, and that's where I met in 1975. That's where I met Mike, and we had a mutual friend, and he lived in the Toronto West End neighborhood, and we spent a lot of time hanging out with uh, some other friends of his. A lot of stories, best left unsaid, uh, but I was so glad to, to to reconnect with Mike. He's just a great guy. And Samantha, uh, I met. We were in the in a lineup at TIFF. Uh, to see a Thelonious Monk documentary. Neither one of us got in, but we started talking music and Thelonious Monk. I gave her my business card, and we ended up playing and collaborating for a couple of years. And uh, first it was all about jazz and Monk, and then I found out that she had followed the Grateful Dead when she was younger, like 19. And I'm still a bit of a deadhead, so I suggested we do one of their songs, Friend of the Devil, and that led to doing a version of Woodstock, which are both on the CD we did together. 
Wow, that's amazing. So you truly have an impressive musical career. You released three solo CDs with the most recent Expecting to Fly. You toured throughout the U.S. and Canada, played for Canadian Prime Minister in Toronto, and a sitting U.S. President at the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. At what age did you decide to pursue a career in the music industry? Well, I've been playing piano since I was six, and the reason I had a professional career in music is pretty simple. Uh, I was I had kind of run out of things to do, but I had this uh, I still had this great talent. So uh, I moved uh, when in 1972 when I was 17. My father moved us from L.A. to Midland, which was a big change. I finished high school, really didn't know what to do. An aunt told me about Humber College Jazz Course in Toronto in 1975, and I enrolled, and I did very well. I joined the Musicians Union in 1976, started working, and never really stopped. Wow. So who had the most influence in your musical career? Well, the first person I'd have to, uh, to, to give a shout-out to would be my, uh, my first classical piano teacher in Santa Monica, Robert Turner. He was a huge influence, and not only did he teach te- technical things about playing, he taught me about feel, uh, which is so much of an indefinable quality. I was, with a, I was also with a jazz singer named Don Franks for over 30 years. Uh, he's kind of a Canadian institution. He was a great mentor and taught me a lot about jazz. I had a jingle uh, company in the 80s, and my partner was Clive Desmond. He encouraged me to arrange for horns and strings, and I learned a lot about uh, that from him. And lastly, my good friend uh, Rick Fox, who now lives in New York City, he took me under his wing in musical theater and taught me a lot by example of how to be a musical director and how to conduct. Wow. So you describe yourself as a classical piano nerd who also loved rock. Can you elaborate? Yeah, sure. Uh, I was the third of four kids and took classical piano lessons from a young age, but I also had two older brothers who were into the folk scene of the early 60s and then rock in the late 60s, and they had all the albums. They played their music all the time, and since I shared a room, I listened and really loved it all. So I had two sides of me. I had the little kid who practiced piano two hours a day and learned these hard classical pieces at an early age. And, uh, and then there was the kid who took in Bob Dylan and Peter, Paul, and Mary, and then the, the Beatles, Stones, the Birds, Hendrix, Blind Faith, Cream, and all the rest of the great music happening in the late 60s and early 70s. Uh, I also learned how to play guitar by ear and got pretty good at that. But, you know, having said all that, yeah, I was a pretty nerdy little kid who, you know, learned to love rock later on. I understand you participate in many theatrical shows, and particularly you took over conducting in the first act of Lion King. Tell us about that. Okay, that's that's actually a really good story. Um, I was doing musical theater from 1985. Uh, there was a big mega musical theater boom in Toronto <clears throat> with Cats, uh, and it's and you can make really good money in theater. So I just stayed in theater for a long time. I managed to string a whole series of shows, uh, working almost nonstop for 20 years. Phantom of the Opera, Joseph with Donny Osmond, Blood Brothers with David Cassidy, Tommy Rent. And then, of course, four years of playing The Lion King. Uh, so the way the musical theater works is that every every orchestra, there's a, there's a conductor, 
there's an associate conductor, and there's the third conductor, usually called the assistant conductor. Now, uh, the musicians who play in the, in the orchestra usually learn how to conduct the show, so you got to have backups all the time. So I was third conductor on Lion King, and probably had already conducted about 300 shows. I knew the show really well, but you know, I'm playing a matinee one afternoon, uh, and in the middle of the first act, the associate the, the associate conductor looked down at me and said. I don't feel well. You're going to have to take over. Okay, this is stuff that you read. It's like that. It's like kind of a mythology. It, it almost never happens. Uh, but anyway, I had to, I went up to the podium. I conducted the rest of the first act while I had to hop down to my keyboard and play some of the musical. Uh, played part of the the piano parts and then back up on the podium and I finished that act and then finished conducting the the second act. Oh my gosh, that is truly amazing. So you also wrote and arranged jingles. How different is the musical process for jingles? Well, that's really a good question, Diana. You 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 really did your research. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a very good. It's not easy to answer, actually. It's uh, it's really different than than any kind of other parts of the music business. Uh, my jingle company, I started up when I was in the mid '80s, and there was no computers then. My partner would look. Uh, you'd look at a rough video, come up with a concept, uh, loosely based on what the agency might want for the product. Uh, and so, lots of jingles were based on current radio hits. My partner one day he said. Listen to the song Down Under by Men at Work. I don't know if you remember that one. Yes. It was big in the 80s. Write something similar to that. So I went to the piano, came up with something, and then we sit at the piano with a metronome and a stopwatch, if you can imagine, and time out how the music would fit in both a 30-second and then a 60-second spot. Record it on a small cassette player. He'd take that to the agency, and then they'd say, if they approve it, we'd go into the studio and we'd do a rough demo so that they could play it for the for the client. And if they liked it, you booked the players, you went in for the final product, and, and then you'd be in the studio, and the control room would be packed with people from the agency and the client. Uh, that's, that's the old days of doing it. And in the early 90s, computers took over the business of uh, jingle writing. And nowadays, the agency expects a final product version to listen to and they might ask six different music houses to come up with something like and it's all on spec i got out of the jingle business uh, around 86 so 83 to 86 and i did very well but so the but yeah it's completely different musical theater is different the jingle business is different playing in bars is different and then um you know and then of course you know recording cds is a whole different thing again wow well on that note can you please introduce one of your songs yeah this is uh this is from my cd uh, called expecting to fly the song is the wind cries mary written by Jimi hendrix released on the album are you experienced in 1967 it was recorded in 20 minutes only one take by the band five overdubs by Jimi. And it's another beautiful, wistful song from the 60s. And here's my solo piano version right here on Beach Booster Radio. Well, joining me via FaceTime is pianist and arranger Steve T. Hunter. You are listening to Beach Corner on Beach Booster Radio.
Welcome back to Beach Corner on Beach Booster Radio with my guest via FaceTime, Steve T. Hunter. So, Steve, your latest CD, Expecting to Fly, we already heard one of the songs. How has this project come to fruition? Two years ago, I landed a solo piano gig at a resort south of Palm Springs in California uh, playing in the dining room. And traditionally, if I was playing piano, I would play a lot of jazz standards, some Scott Joplin, maybe some Beatles hits. Uh, this, at this time, I started noticing uh, the customers were, you know, my age or older. So I started playing more songs from the 60s, uh, Rolling Stone songs like As Tears Go By, Ruby Tuesday, Lady Jane. And from the Beatles, I'd play Your Bird Can Sing, Martha, My Dear, Across the Universe, Fool on the Hill, You Never Give Me Your Money, and She's Leaving Home. And these songs got a huge response from people. And that's when it hit me. The boomer generation is longing to hear songs from their own era, which is my era, too. And they're kind of tired of hearing jazz standards, which is the music of our parents. You know, when they hear this stuff when they go out for dinner. So fast forward to COVID, I had a lot of time on my hands. And I started to think of when I was young, certain songs really affected me, and they still do. And I started out with a song by Buffalo Springfield called Expecting to Fly uh, in 1967. I did a music transcription of the song where I wrote out all the notes and chords, and I started playing it on the piano, and it immediately felt great. And when it was recorded... I was transported back to that era, and then song after song came rushing to my memory. In three months' time, I had 20 songs, and everyone I played the recordings to reacted the same way I did, in the same way that the crowd at the resort did. Well, how do you find the right song, having said that? Really great question. Uh, it's been, uh, you know, it's been said that the sense of smell is the strongest trigger for memory, but I think music is a way stronger trigger. Uh, so here are the few ways I choose a song. It has to resonate in my memory. Uh, for me, it has to be evocative, wistful, and yearning, and it has to trigger memories of growing up. And I also have to find a hidden aspect in the song that sounds great on piano. Some of the lesser-known songs of the 60s have great melodies and chords. They're almost accidental uh, because it was the 60s. And something that sounds great on guitar won't necessarily sound the same on piano. But sometimes stuff on guitar does sound great on piano. So it's just a, you know, it's like capturing uh, lightning in a bottle. And during this pandemic, do you find people are seeking comfort songs? Very much so. Um, and it's it's what drove me to try to, to start doing it. I got comfort for it. But, but when I released it, uh, here's three quotes from people who bought the CD. Uh, the first one, in these very trying times, I needed to listen to this beautiful and soothing music. Number two, I uh, was listening to it right now. We see We need some beautiful music right now. And the third one was fantastic. You're healing my soul. Thank you. Aww. And so, and oddly enough, I mean, it, it comforts, I like listening to it, it comforts me, and if it comforts me, I think it'll comfort other people. And with so many artists performing virtually, are you planning to host any online concerts? Well, I actually did an online concert recently for Beach United Church here in Toronto. Uh, it featured the music of Duke Ellington, Scott Joplin, and of course, music from the 60s. Uh, it was available for all, 
for all of October, but it's now off the air. It's actually hard to do an online concert that looks and sounds great. I've seen a lot of somewhat boring presentations online because that's what people are doing now. And I think the trick is to, to move the camera around so it isn't static. Uh, I got my daughter, Rachel Hunter, to videotape me, and she did a great job. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's, I don't really see anything in the future the, right now, but uh, I'd love to do something else. Well, Steve, where can we find more information? Well, my website is www.stevehunter.net. My new CD, Expecting to Fly, is available on Bandcamp, and that's at stevehunter1bandcamp.com. And I've got a YouTube channel, and all you have to do is search Steve T. Hunter Music, and it'll, that'll come up on, on the search engine. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Steve, for being my guest. Wishing you all the best of success with your latest CD, Expecting to Fly. Before you go, can you please introduce one more song? Uh, the song is Can't Find My Way Home, and this is a really timeless track from Blind Faith's only release in 1969, written by Steve Winwood. The second song on the first side had both Winwood and Clapton playing acoustic guitars. It's another gem that sounds great on piano. And here's Can't Find My Way Home on Beach Booster Radio. You're listening to Beach Corner on Beach Booster Radio. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this song.
Well, this is a wrap for me. I would like to thank Steve T. Hunter for being my guest and wishing him all the best of success with his latest CD titled Expecting to Fly. For more information, visit stevehunter.net. And for the most recent on his music, go to stevehunter1.bandcamp.com. Special thanks goes to Wasaga Mike of Wasaga Beach TV and Classic Rock Saga on Beach Booster Radio for making this interview possible. With Beach Corner on Beach Booster Radio, I'm Dinah Chicky. Beach Corner's broadcast every Tuesday at 10 a.m. and 8 p.m. and also available on podcast anytime from our new Beach Booster Radio podcast page. Simply click the podcast button from my homepage to enjoy unique and local programming. Beach Corner is also a regular feature in Beach Booster Publication and can be seen on Wasaga Beach TV at Beach Talk. If you would like to be featured on Beach Corner, please contact Diana at BeachBooster.com. I welcome your visit to my Facebook and Twitter pages. Bye-bye, everyone. The preceding program is a production of Beach Booster Radio, written, recorded, and produced in Wasaga Beach, Ontario. We thank you for listening to Beach Booster Radio, Wasaga Beach's only locally owned and operated radio station. We are local. We are Wasaga Beach. We are Beach Booster. You are listening to Beach Booster Radio, broadcasting from our studios in the Stonebridge Town Center on Main Street, in the heart of downtown Wasaga Beach.